0: and our love, and our identity, and our faith, and in our eternal purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. I've got half a mind to pull out the wagons and do our outreach right now because I asked many of you to come on Wednesdays, but you just, uh, for whatever reason, some of you don't. I don't know everybody's particular situation, if you're working or not. I pray that you do not come just because you're tired. Because I'm tired too. And everybody else comes that's tired. So in order for us to be radical Christians, it's time that God shatters our religion and tradition. I've got half a heart to pull out the wagons right now just so that we can shatter the tradition of Sunday. Because what makes Sunday more holy than Wednesday, right? So we've got to begin to be radically obedient to god i am not god but i'm a man of god and the word of god says that you're supposed to be obedient to those who have authority over you is that in your bible it's in your bibles so it's time that we be more radical for god because we run the danger of being lukewarm and blending in and looking more like the world than we do like god i appreciate everything everybody does on a sunday but I am desperate for you to show up on a Wednesday and be here, because not because I just ask you to. Please don't. I'm, I'm just such a nice guy. But I, just, I don't want you to just see me as Damien sometimes when I'm asking. I pray that you give me the honor that God has given me to be a leader of your spiritual life and to actually do what I'm asking you to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. The radical life. Can you say radical? Radical. Can you shout radical? Radical. We've got to be more radical. 1980s Christianity is not going to work in 2021. 1990s Christianity is not going to work in 2021. Yesterday's Christianity is not going to work today. We've got to become more radically like Jesus Christ. So I don't want you thinking that you just have to represent new life. I don't want you thinking that you have to represent the church or represent the pastor. You have to represent Jesus Christ when you have interactions with people out there in this world it should be just like they are having an interaction with Jesus Christ that's how radical your life should be okay so yes I want you to worship radically when you're in here on a Sunday morning but I want you the Lord wants you to live radically as well every day of the week okay it's time for us to be more radical for Jesus Christ and what that means is this, that our lives become infected and filled with the Holy Spirit in every area of our lives. We become more righteous. And just to let you know, this message is for me too. I'm just the one that gets to speak it. See, these words are not my own. So I've got to live by every word that comes out of my mouth as well. So what God does through a preacher is sets the standard. He gets the house in order. Every time once once in a while, dad's got to come home. When mom says the kids have been acting up, dad's got to come home and set a new standard in the house. So that's exactly what the Spirit of the Lord is desiring to do this morning, is set a new standard in the house. That we've got to be way more radical, less casual, less lazy, less complacent because people are dying by the droves outside. In Afghanistan, Christians are losing their heads today because they refuse to denounce Jesus Christ and that's radical and we think we got it. The American church thinks that we're just so righteous and just so good but they're willing to die for what they believe in over there when we won't half live for what we believe in over here. It's time that we become more radical and the only way that's going to happen is if you pick up, we pick up our crosses and die to ourselves. The more self that's evident, the less radical you'll be. Amen? Amen. Listen, do you believe that God came to this world and lived as a man? Yes or no? So, Does the world know that the same God is living in you right now? How radically are you living for Jesus? Listen, this is not a show. This is not a game. If church is just a religious organization that you come to and you uh, spend time here on a Sunday, and then you go out there and live like you want to live, you're none of his at all. You're just a religious person that happens to stop by the corner of 202 West Kibby on Sunday mornings at 1030, but then you go and do what you want to do. That's not radical Christianity that's not radical life Jesus is looking for those who belong to him fully love the Lord your God with all of your heart all of your mind all of your strength so how much of our strength is devoted to Jesus throughout the week I'm telling you I'm telling you church God looks at our Christianity at times and calls it pitiful He looks at our devotion sometimes and calls it pitiful. It's time that we come up. There should be a fire burning on the inside of us that's uncontrollable, just like Jeremiah had. And if you don't have that fire burning inside for God, then the fire is burning for the world. Because we all have a hunger. You're hungry for something, okay? So either you're hungry for for righteousness, you're thirsty for righteousness, Or you're thirsty for the world. And here's what's sad. If this little bit of Sunday service, this hour and a half, is all that you need to get by throughout the whole week, then it tells me that your hunger and thirst for God is very small. And it tells me that, listen, the food that we eat is supposed to be for energy, okay? I know we do it for fun. I know we do it because we're depressed. We eat for many reasons. But the truth is the food that we eat is supposed to be for power and for energy. And if you can only eat this one meal a week, which I give to you through the the Lord, and you don't go eat on your own, then it tells me that you're going to be weak all week long. How can you live radically without a radical diet? Athletes eat special diets, okay? And yes, swimmers eat, I, I wanna, don't quote me on this, it could be something like 10,000, 15,000 calories a day, something like that, but that's because they're going to be swimming in Olympic-sized pools as fast as they can, okay? They don't eat 15,000 calories and then sit and watch Netflix all day, Food is supposed to be for energy. So the word of God that we eat on a daily basis is supposed to be for energy. It's supposed to be so that you can be obedient and do the things that God said that you can do when you're outside of this building. The true power of a church is not what happens when the doors are open. The true power of a church is what happens when the doors are closed. What are you doing out there changes the world. What we do in here changes you. Okay? I'm not angry, but I am fired up. All right? And I'm not even angry at you, I'm angry at the devil. Because that's my opponent. See, I'm a preacher of the gospel and of righteousness. But out there in this world, there is a liar and we're both trying to get information to you. We're both trying to pull you in, in, in a direction. I get a little while. I get one hour a week to pull you in the right way. But if you don't get on your knees during the week and get in your word during the week, then that enemy is going to pull you further and further and further away from the truth. So what you need is momentum. Can you say momentum? You need momentum because you have a soul in your body that's going to go to heaven or to hell, and you need momentum. You need momentum to be going in the right direction. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. It says this. But on the judgment day, and that day is coming, so just like you're expecting Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's Day, there's a judgment day coming as well. And it says, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if that work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like somebody barely escaping through a wall of flames. Can you say momentum? Here's what I'm talking about. Now, you're going to be saved, okay? So, you can be a lazy Christian. Well, I won't say lazy. What word am I looking for, God? You can be a Christian without much momentum. And when I say momentum, I'm saying the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and you're doing everything God has required you to do. You're doing, here it, here it is, you're doing great works for the kingdom of God frequently. You're frequently giving your body to God and say, God, this body belongs to you. Holy Spirit, do what you want. This whole day is yours. Lord, that gives you the momentum of heaven. That gives you the momentum of the Spirit of God so that your life can be used for his glory and you can do many great works. You see, you don't need the momentum of God to just brush your teeth in the morning and you don't need the momentum of the Holy Spirit just to go to work and to go to lunch and to go home and to eat dinner and to lay down and to say one prayer before bed. You don't need that momentum but I'm trying to tell you that you better be gaining momentum for the work, the purpose That God has called you to live. So if you hardly do anything for God, you'll still be saved. Why? Because salvation is not works-based, it's faith-based. It's not what you did for God, but what God did for you. However, what the Bible is telling us is this. If you hardly do anything for God, then you're going to stand before God on judgment day and the works that you have done are going to be presented to him and they're going to be set on fire. And if you barely did anything and all it was was rubble and sticks and plastic and hardly anything for God, you hardly serve God at all. You'll still be saved, but the Bible says that you will barely have enough momentum to cause you to run out of a burning building and escape through the wall of flames. That's not the way I want to enter in. That's not the way that I want my works to be presented to God. I want my life to be a living witness for God. I want my life to totally belong to him. Why? Because he gave me his whole life. Have you not forgotten the sin in which he called you out of? Have you not forgotten the darkness that you used to live in? And now with that momentum, you should wake up every day on this side of the grave and say, God, I give you glory because I remember... I remember where my life was headed. I remember when I was praying with sin, God, and I went to sleep a sinner for sure. But yet you gave me enough grace and mercy to allow me to wake up the next day. So every day you wake up, you should take a deep breath. <gasps> Praise God, I've got more life. Praise God, I get to serve you some more. And with that momentum, we enter the kingdom of God in our works are tested because our works are really our love for him. That's what it proves. How much did you love me? Now I can go to Woodlawn, okay? And I can steal some plastic flowers off a grave and I can drive home to my house and I can walk through the door and say, Honey, I'm home. I got you something. And she'd be like, what is this? Like Plastic flowers? Where'd you even get them? Ah, from the cemetery. Oh, man. How bad would that hurt her heart? I thought you loved me. But church, what are we giving the Lord? What are we giving the Lord every day when we're supposed to be giving him our best? We're supposed to say, Lord, I present my life to you. I want to do everything I can to please you. But yet he gets the plastic flowers. What are the plastic flowers? The plastic flowers are the leftovers. I don't give you the best of my time, God. I give you my leftovers. Work, they get my prime hours. They get all of my strength. They get my preparation. They get my devotion. I'll I'll work late. I'll go early. They get everything. But for you, Jesus, you can have Sunday morning. For you, Jesus, you can have what's left over. That's not what he wants. That's not the command. The command is love me with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your strength. That's radical love. I don't know what you want to call what we've been doing, but what he asked for is radical because that's exactly what he did for us. Verse 16, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God? and that the Spirit of God lives in you, God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Stop deceiving yourselves. Say this with me, church. Lord, Lord, help me me. stop deceiving deceiving. myself. Man, that's a powerful prayer. Because the reason that prayer is powerful is because we've got a liar out there in this world named Satan who tries to deceive us all the time. And if any of his deception has seeped into our lives, we need it out. So that's why we pray, Lord, help me to stop deceiving myself. Here's what the word continues to say. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. So, Lord, would you make us fools for you? Lord, we're trying to impress everybody in this world except you. So, Lord, may we run the risk of looking foolish to everyone else just so we can look like a person who is in love with you. Make us foolish instead of wise as it relates to this world's wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So the question that we have to ask ourselves as the bride of Christ, who he's coming back for is, is the bride even ready? Let's go to Matthew chapter 25, verses 10 through 12. Now, as a pastor, I've married many people standing on this platform. I stand right here, And the groom stands right here. And many times we've had to wait longer than we should for the bride to get ready and to come out. But listen to me. Jesus, see, I'm just the preacher, okay? The one you're going to be marrying is the groom, the one that stands beside me. And I've stood beside many men that were patient and they waited for their bride. But when the wedding ceremony is about to begin, Jesus will not be patient because he's going to say when, when, when he says that it's time for the trumpet to blow, he's not the time when that trumpet blows. OK, so we have let's say the wedding's at three o'clock and we're still waiting on the bride to come out. The ceremony is supposed to start now on this level on earth. We can be patient. OK. All right, she's a little late, that's okay, because this bride, I'm sorry, this groom is just a man. But the groom that you guys are going to be marrying is the son of God, and he's waited long enough at that point. When the trumpet sounds, that is not the time to be getting ready. The word says that we could be lost and left behind if we are not his so let's look at Matthew 25, 10 through 12. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready, those who were what? Ready. Those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. What happened to the door? It was locked. Before the flood came, God closed the door on Noah's ark and the door was what? Locked. All right. 11. Later, when the other five five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. Every day that God blesses us with is another day he's uh, gracious to get ready, to be ready for his coming. And not just his coming, man, this is good. Not only are you supposed to be getting ready for Jesus is coming, you're also supposed to be getting ready for your going. Because you're going. You're leaving this body. You can't stay in this body. Okay? We're all going to die. Possibly before the Lord returns. So not only are we waiting and readying ourselves for his return, but we're readying ourselves for our exit as well. So what is the radical life? To define radical, it means very different from the usual or traditional. How many of you pray? Raise your hand if you pray. I don't even want to look. Can somebody tell me? Are there a lot of hands up? All right. Praise God. All right. Radical means very different from the usual or traditional. So you all said you pray, right? How many of you feel like your prayer can be more radical? Me too. I fully agree. I told you I'm not here to yell at you about how radical you're not. This is a word coming from heaven to make us all more radical. It sets the standard higher for us all. Okay? Another definition of radical means that it is related to or proceeding from a root such as or uh, a growing from the root of a plant. So there are these things that come off a plant called radical tubers. I had no idea that the word radical also translated to a term that relates to plants. Okay? And now that we know that we are connected to the vine. Right? We are the radical branches that come from a radical vine. And whatever's in that radical vine should be in the radical branches so that we might produce radical fruit. Amen? So we have to look at our lives and say, is my fruit radical or just, let me see here, am I producing just raisins? Because a raisin ain't nothing but a dried up grape. All right? All right. Am I producing raisins or am I producing the grapes of Canaan, the grapes of the promised land? What does my fruit look like? Okay, And only you determine what your fruit looks like. For the word of God says that apart from me, you can do nothing. So if we're apart from God, our fruit won't be radical. And here is the thing. We, many of us, honor God with our lips, but our branches are far from him. We say that we're connected to him, but our fruit is not radical. I don't know when this began to happen. I don't know why it exists, but I'm tired of not living a radical life. And I pray during this series that you also say, you know what, Pastor? I'm tired of not being totally radical and sold out for the Lord as well, but I'm willing to go wherever God is going to take us through these series, okay? how then do we live this radical life? So if he is the vine and we are the branches, how do we get what's in him into us and what does it do? Let's go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. And it says this. The devil was trying to get, the devil knew that Jesus was hungry and he tried him to get to turn a stone into bread. Okay? He came after his hunger. All right? So let that, let, let that, Teach you something about Satan and temptation. Here's a lesson in temptation. He's only going to ask you to turn something into bread that you're hungry for. Sin comes from within. Not from without. He can't make you sin. He just tempts the sin that's already in you. So whatever you're hungry for, that's what the enemy is going to present to you. And if you're only hungry for God, you'll say, you know what, Satan, get behind me. For the word of God says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So church, listen to me, please. How do you begin to live the radical life? You begin to live the radical life by not living off bread alone, but by the word. The more word, the more Bible that your life has in it, the more closely uh, related to scripture your life is, the more radical your life will become. So, Jesus Christ is the vine and we are the branches. So, whatever flows through the branch, whatever flows through the vine, flows through the branch. Now, we know in the natural, the same water that comes up through the vine goes through the branches. So, what is Jesus trying to get in us? What is the water that he's trying to get in us to bring us to life so that we can have radical fruit? It's his word. It's the thing that we, I won't say hate, but it's the thing that we don't love enough. If we don't spend time in the Bible, your life will not be radical. Because the word of God is the water that supplies the word into our lives. And it's the only thing that we can live by. If we're not reading the Bible, then what are we living by? Netflix? Facebook? TikTok, NFL, NBA, soap operas, everything else is our water. And we wonder why our lives are not radical. Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Because if you eat natural bread this way, it's going to come out another way. But if you eat the word of God, it never leaves you. You become one with the word and your life becomes more radical. See, this is what happened with Adam. Adam and Eve disobeyed God's word and they actually ate. They ate what they weren't supposed to eat because they didn't hunger for God's word enough. OK, and what that caused was them to have to leave God's presence. Let, let, let's, let's get this. OK, God said, here's what you can eat. Here's what you can't eat. The devil didn't show up the place where they could eat and say, eat this. OK, he showed up the place where he said you can't eat. He said, eat that. All right. That created a hunger within Eve, and she saw the thing that she couldn't have. Her hunger awakened for this thing, and she ate it. And because she ate it, they were evicted away from the presence of God. But here comes the second Adam, Jesus. He was hungry, too. But he refused to turn the stone into bread because he said, you know what? I can't live by those natural things to survive. I don't live by bread alone. I live by the word of God. And so since Jesus did not disobey, since he did not serve himself, he said, you know what? I only live off of God's word. Guess what happened? The devil had to leave. Man got hungry, they ate what they weren't supposed to eat, they had to leave. But Jesus got hungry, refused to eat what he wasn't supposed to eat, and then the devil had to leave. So if you want the devil out of your life, then you've got to eat what God said is good, which is his word. Pray this with me, church. Lord, please give me a hunger and a thirst. For your word, like I've never had before. In Jesus' name, amen. So listen, church, moving forward, now we get to call you guys radical. You're radical now because you know the truth. God has given us the truth about what it looks like to live radically, and we've got a choice whether or not we're going to be disobedient or we're going to be radical. So listen, after church today, And after work tomorrow, you've got time. You've got time to eat. And I'm not just talking about dinner. I'm talking about what you feast your eyes upon and what you begin to meditate upon. Okay? Now, I like TikTok and Facebook and all that stuff just as much as anybody else, okay? Sometimes I just want to laugh, okay, and things like that. But here's what we have to be leery of. Some of those people that are entertaining you out there have demons inside of them. Some of your favorite entertainers in this world are not Christians. And the way that they were raised up and influenced was because of Satan giving them popularity. So just like my mom and my grandma used to say, baby, you just can't eat at everybody's house. That's old school teaching right there. I'm trying to tell you. As much as we like Instagram and Facebook and all these things, there are some demonic powers out there that try to pull you in through humor. Oh, isn't that funny or isn't that entertaining? Listen, man shall not live by entertainment alone. If you want your spirit man to thrive, if you want to be radical, you've got to pick up your cross and say, you know what? As much as I want this, as much as I hunger for this, that's my old self. I can't feed my old self. I've got to feed who I am in Christ now and begin to live by the word. So triumphant living is a result of believing God. And that's when our lives become more (laughs) radical. You want to see radical blessings? Be obedient radically. Radical obedience brings radical blessings into your life, all right? So the question that we must ask ourselves then is this, have you lost your life? Jesus says this, those that seek to save their lives and preserve it for themselves, do what you want to do with your time instead of giving your time to God and living for him, you try to hide your life and save it for yourself and use it for your own good, the Bible says that you'll lose that life. But if you're wanting to give up your life for Jesus Christ, then you will find it. So how do we know if we're going to be a part of that number when it's all over? Will we be inhabitants of the new kingdom? Are we living life radically enough where we will be one day inhabitants of the new heaven and new earth. Listen to this, Revelation 12 and 11. And they defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. Said we love quoting that, but there's more. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Afghanistans are being beheaded because they refuse to denounce God. But in our free time, when we, have, we don't have the threat of death around us, what do we do with our free time? Do we denounce God with our free time? Do we give God all of our lives? Am I saying that you won't have fun if you give your life to God? I'm not saying that. You're going to have joy. You're going to have fun. To, oh, I, I forgot to tell you. This will make you a lot happier. You can still eat food. All right? I'm not trying to come up with some new doctrine that says no more Cupid. The Lord said if you want to be radical, no more Cupid. Well, pastor, the Lord is leading me to another church. It's exactly what I would be hearing from you. There's still joy on the radical side. There's still fun and peace on the radical side. You just got to give up your whole life to get there. I promise nobody makes it into the kingdom of God without giving up their whole life for Jesus. Religion says, I'll give you this much. Relationship says, I'll give you this much. I'll marry you. I love you. I've never married two people where during the vows, the husband says this. Listen. I love you, but you're not going to be my only one. I love you, but I won't be spending all my days in the same house with you. I love you, but I'm going to be talking to other women and telling them that I love them too. And I'm going to be spending time with other people. That bride would walk down those steps and walk out of this church and say, I want nothing to do with that man. So listen, guys, we got to be just as radical for our husband, Jesus Christ. He's coming back after a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. I don't, it, it was only Satan that, that infiltrated the church to water us down to make us religious instead of righteous, to say that I can give this much and still be saved, or I can have this much of my life and still be okay, but the word of God says this, they defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. So here's the thing with the American church, we don't have people yet threatening us with death, okay? But still, we've got to be willing to die, not a physical death, but a spiritual death every day. We've got to be willing to pick up our crosses and deny ourselves. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about our time with God. To pick up our cross and say, you know what? I really want to go play golf today, but I think I'm just going to go to the park and pray instead. That's what that looks like. To, this is what I want. And you got to distinguish between what's talking, your soulish man or your spirit man. And I promise you every day the, our soulish man is usually winning more than our spiritual man. So that's where God is trying to get us into a more radical life so we get more spiritual victories than soulish ones. The soulless self is your, your mind, your will, and your, your mind, man, that's, the Holy Spirit is just so smart. Your mind, your will, and your emotions, that's what happens in the soulless realm, your, your, your. In the spirit realm, it's his mind, his will, his emotions. That's when you are a spiritual man because you're dead to the soul itself. You don't get to do what you want to do anymore. That's what it means to be a radical Christian. That my life is over and now I live for Jesus, his mind, his will, his emotion. Who wants to be there? Who wants that radical life? Me too. Me too. Let's stand to our feet for just a minute. I am not. I can't promise that I'm ending or nothing. Don't get excited about that. Alright? I just feel that we're supposed to do something in the atmosphere. We're supposed to say yes and amen to God if we really want what you're saying from your seat. It's easy to say it from your seat. And it's easy to say it in this building. But what happens when you leave? Will, will the soul be in control when you leave? Or will you be led by the spirit? That is the radical life to be led by the spirit of God in all that you do. So either you're in control and you're none of his or he's in control and you're all of his father in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would this truth radically change our lives? That our soulless self has to die. Our soulless self wants everything that's contrary to the will of God. It wants, it cannot obey you, and it will not obey you. So that part of us has to die. For Jesus said, if you desire to be my disciples, you must pick up your crosses every day and deny your soulless Self and follow me and be led by my spirit. Would you show us what real Christianity looks like? Would you show us what it means to live a radical life for Christ? The devil is deceiving us, making us think that we can be soulish and still save, and that is a lie. For if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all all things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. All things made new. Holy Spirit, we need you. The lies are so powerful, and if you don't delay your, if you don't expediate your coming, even the very elect will be deceived. Holy Spirit, come. Help us. We're living a lie. When the soul is alive and trying to serve God, that's a lie. The cross has been given to us to deal with that soulish self. How often? Daily. If you want to be my disciples, pick up your cross Daily and deny yourself and follow me. Why are we following you, Lord? Because you're the radical one. You are the lion from the tribe of Judah. You are the Messiah. And our lives look like yours, but only after we have picked up the cross to deny ourselves. May we be willing to lose these mediocre and sinful lives so that we might be clothed in righteousness. May we be willing to set apart ourselves and be sanctified by a holy God. May we not try to fit in with the world and be just saved a little, but may we be set apart from the world and delivered with the righteous. We repent for loving the world because your word says if the love of the world is in us, then the love of the Father is not. We want to be your church. There is not a radical church and then a regular church. There is only one church, and it is the radical church. It is that church which he said that I will set upon a rock and the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. His church is the radical church. There are false prophets. So if there are false prophets, that means that there are false churches as well. So God has one church and that is the bride of Christ and he will not give his son to a church that does not love him. He will only give himself to the remnant church. Those who have separated themselves from the world fully. The called out ones, the ecclesia, those are the bride of Christ. You can have this world, or you can have God, but you can't have both. May this be our truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's say amen, church. Amen. Amen. All right, be seated, please. Thank you, Jesus. All right. This might be where I stopped. I hope you caught the might be. <laughs> so listen to this. Having said all that, listen to what Paul says. Paul makes a plead to the body of Christ in Romans 12. And God, through his servant right now that he's using, he's making a plea to you all the true body of Christ, okay? And he's saying this. Romans 12 verse 1, and so dear brothers and sisters, so he's saying dear as a term of endearment or beloved, those who I love so much, listen to me. Okay, Paul says, I plead, or the the, uh, King James Version says, I beseech, okay, or I beg you, I'm, I'm pleading with you in this moment. Give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. What does acceptable mean, church? It means worth marrying. It means worth being one with. It means one worth spending eternity with. When I counsel couples, I tell them this. I said, don't just marry somebody who you can live with you got to marry the one that you can't live without. And Jesus said, I love you so much. I will come to this world and die on the cross because I can't live without you. Okay. It says this is truly the way to worship him. So not the songs we sing, not the religious motions. Sunday, I almost don't want to have Sunday church sometime because it's just, it's just a time where we get together and say, okay, now God, here's your time. But if I changed it to Monday night, would you still come? If I changed it to Tuesday night, would you still come? If I change it to Wednesday night, would you still come? Are you here just because you're religious or are you here because you're in a relationship with God and you're saying, God, where your people are serving, that's where I want to be as well. We got to get out of religious customs, okay? Verse two, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, okay? Listen to this, if Ohio State... If Ohio State Buckeyes football team changed all their games to Wednesday nights, it would have an impact on the world. I'll tell you what kind of impact on the world it would have. People all over will begin calling their bosses and saying, Look, man, I got season tickets, and I can't work Wednesday night anymore. But what I will do, I I don't want to rob you, I'll work Sunday night instead. Or I'll I'll work Saturday night instead. Everybody would change their schedules all around the Buckeyes because they moved their schedule from Saturdays to Wednesdays. All their faithful followers would follow them. That's powerful. All the faithful followers of the Buckeyes would follow them and do whatever they were going to be doing next because they faithfully follow. Church. Sunday is not the day that's set apart as holy for God. The word of God says this is the day. No matter what day it is, this is the day that the Lord has made, right? All of them. Man, we got work to do with these religious minds. We got to get rid of these religious customs and religious thoughts and just say, God, I'm yours, all right? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now you can stand up. Listen, church, just as obedient as you were just now to stand up when the man of God asked you to stand up, would you also do everything else that God is asking me to have you do? I don't make up stuff. We don't have a million programs. I don't ask you guys to come to a million things a week. All I ask you to do is what God is leading us to do as a church together. And if this is your church and I am your pastor, would you be led by the spirit of God as he leads me is all that I'm asking. And I don't think that's too much to ask. Father, I come to you now as your servant. I have delivered the message. Well, a third of the message that you've given me, God. And I feel like this is just enough. Just enough. Just enough. To allow us to stand on our tippy toes and look over the fence. Standing on our tippy toes of this side of the fence, of the way we have been living. And look over the fence at the radical life. We have been given a peek of what it really looks like. Of the kind of church you're looking for. God. Religion is not enough. Customs are not enough. Your word didn't say that the greatest commandment was to fulfill religion and customs. Your word said the greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart, mind, and strength, and then to love our neighbor as ourselves. The radical life. The difference between the radical life and the life that we've been living is the radical life is only a life that's, living, that's, been, that's being lived directly connected to obedience to God. Everybody on the other side of the fence that we're peeking over living a radical life, everybody that's living a radical life, they're living the life of an obedient son and an obedient daughter. Because the Bible tells us that those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. Where do the children of God live? They live in obedience to God's word. The word of the Lord says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. The radical life. So God, here's what's about to happen. As if you didn't know. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to dismiss them. They're going to be far away from their brothers and sisters in Christ. They're going to be far away from the loud preacher. And they're going to get to do one of two things. They can continue living soulish existences in which they do everything that their mind, their will, And their emotion tells them to. Or they will take up two pieces of wood and become a new house for you. They will take up two pieces of wood, that cross, and they will agree to die for the one that died for them. They will begin to live a new spiritual existence into which their soul has no power. And if their soul has no power, then sin has no power. Righteousness belongs to those who live by the Spirit and reject the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's decision-making time. Will you be standing at the altar dressed in white, ready to marry the Lord, ready to be called up with him, Or will you have still been getting ready? May these questions hit your heart. May these thoughts overtake your mind. Here's the truth. None of us have been living a radical life as it relates to the standard in which God is going to preach these messages. So don't feel bad about not living a radical life yet, because we're just now getting the revelation of what it looks like for us today. But moving forward, will you begin to do what you've heard and live radically for Jesus? Father, I pray for us all right now in Jesus name that our life would be radical, which means. Our love is radical, our identity is radical, our faith is radical, so that we can fulfill that radical, eternal purpose from which we are made and which you sent us to this earth for. The soul says, live for you. The spirit says, live for God. Live for God. at the beginning of this message I asked you all did you believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth as a man and you said yes and my second question was this are you living your life in such a way that the people that see you and interact with you understand that God again is living in this earth as a man or as a woman as a boy or as a girl The radical life is the life of Christ and the spiritual life and all those series that came before this the radical life is when you actually put it into motion and you begin doing it. Have mercy upon us and give us grace. Holy Spirit we take you by the hand and we partner with you to live lives that are radical. Here's the difference between being radical in this building and being radical outside. On the day of Pentecost, they were in the upper room. They were gathered together just like we are, but church, they didn't stay there. They immediately went out to the streets and began doing radical things in the name of God And that made the gospel message even more powerful. So Lord, my prayer for New Life Christian Ministries is we do a lot of radical things when we're in the building. But I pray that we will be more radical when we leave. And we pray this all in Jesus' name.